I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 21 this morning. John chapter 21, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 23. John chapter 21, verse 18 through 23. So, spent the week in prayer and trying to figure out which direction we're going to go, and that's what I think the Lord is leading us as we go through these next couple of weeks, as we continue in the 40 days of praying for your search committee, and I know we only took the one week to talk about fasting, and so if you're Maybe trying that if you're familiar with it. Um, uh, pray that you are fasting uh, a little bit for the search committee. Uh, we may say more about that in the coming weeks as we're just at day 14 of the praying for the search committee. I want to continue to do that. And as we do that, for the next couple of weeks, what I want us to think about is I want us to think about what makes the church the church. And what is our responsibility? What is our role within the church? What, what is it that we do individually? Now, way back... Uh, when I first came, we preached a couple of messages on spiritual gifts. And we, I remember I preached the message, how to help your church grow. And we talked about you need to know your gifts, then know what your responsibilities are, then look for opportunities to use those gifts, and then go to work. Amen. And so we're going to kind of revisit that, because here's some things we know. The functions of a biblical church are fixed and defined by Scripture. We understand that as the church of Jesus Christ, as Christians... We are supposed to be involved in evangelism. We're supposed to be uh, building disciples, being a disciple in our own life, building disciples of others. We are involved in worship, which involves preaching and singing and everything you think of with worship. Then there's fellowship, fellowshipping together and enjoying that part of the body of Christ. And then there's service, serving each other and serving the community. And those are the five main functions. We talked about that. Then we talked about the fact that the results of a biblical church are also fixed. You want to know if we're the church God wants us to be, we look at the results. We look at what we're accomplishing to determine if we're walking with God. Those things are pretty much fixed in Scripture. More missions uh, accomplished, more fellowship together, becoming more like Christ. We talked about those things, and so those are fixed. But there are some things in Scripture that aren't necessarily fixed or established, and those have to do with things like church government. How do you operate a church. Why does one church uh, call its pastor a pastor and another church may refer to him as a priest? Or why are we referred to, why do we use terms like layman and clergy or terms like the presbytery? You know, and we're not Presbyterians, but that's a word that we actually use as Baptists from time to time. And what do these words mean? And why do some churches work with councils and other churches work with a board of elders? And what do the deacons do? And you think about all these things and you look at all the denominations and all the differences we have, it's because those things aren't always spelled out in Scripture. And God gives us great freedom to fellowship together as a group of believers in a way that fits and works. And every fellowship is going to be different. Amen. That's why sometimes we, you, you go to one church, you don't feel like you fit in, and you move, you go to, you find a church where you feel like you belong. I remember from the listening sessions that many of you felt that way when you came to First Baptist Church Mableton. You came and you felt like you belonged here. You felt like you could use your gifts here. You, you identified with the worship and the fellowship of the people, and, and you knew that this is where you belonged. And part of that was your personality, and the rest of that was just the Holy Spirit putting you where he wanted you to be in the body of Christ. Amen. But every church is different. We have Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, all these different denominations. Why are they different? Does it make one better than the other? Absolutely not. You know, you can be a Baptist and still be wrong. Amen? 
<laughs> and it might be a shock to some of us, but just calling ourselves by a certain denominational name doesn't mean that our allegiance lies in Scripture. And when your allegiance lies in Scripture, it's going to be reflected different ways, depending on where you live and, and how you were brought up. And, and that's why we have these different congregations. So what I want to talk about this morning, John chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 18 through 23. And I want to start the series by this. The, the title of my message is this. It's um, eight words that can change your life. Okay? Eight words that can change your life. Uh, and we're going to read where Jesus makes a response to Peter. And we're going to see what he says to him. We're going to see what he says to the disciples. And, and, I, and we're going to think about these eight words this morning from John ch uh, chapter 21. All right? So we're going to look at that. And then we're going we're gonna to share that, and, and, then, and then we'll come back to this. So John chapter 21, and I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when you were young, you girded yourself, or you clothed yourself, and you walked wherever you wanted. But when you shall be old, you will stretch forth your hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now, he's talking to Peter. If you know, in the context of the story, this is right after the scene by the fire where Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And, and each time Peter responded until finally at the end he was broken. He said, Lord, you know me, you know all things, you know more about me than I know about myself. And so now Jesus is talking to Peter and he's telling him, when you were young, you went where you wanted, you walked where you wanted, you dressed yourself, but there's going to come a day when someone else is going to take you and carry you to a place you don't want to go. In verse 19, this he spoke, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Now those are two good words right there to begin with. Amen? Jesus said, follow me. There's nobody worth following more than Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 20, then Peter, this is what the Bible tells us. Now, Pete, now Jesus just said this to Peter, just told him what he was going to do, and he told him to follow him. And then we read in verse 20, Peter turned and seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, and, and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? So Peter turned around and he basically saw John, all right, and he's following him. Uh, is following behind him and Jesus as he and Jesus are having this conversation. And Peter looks and he says, Lord, what shall this man do? Now, 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 now don't miss that. Jesus just told Peter God's plan for his life in, in, in a little veiled sense of what, what's, what's waiting for Peter, what's headed in Peter's future. And then he simply said to Peter, follow me. And immediately after saying, follow me, Peter turns and looks and points at another disciple and says, yeah, but what about him? What about him? And then this is verse 22. Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry until I come, and then here are the eight words, what is that to you? Follow thou me. A question and an instruction in eight simple words. What is that to you? And I'll paraphrase just a little bit. You follow me. Verse 23, Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciple should not die, yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Now, now don't miss this, beloved. Bracketed around those eight words are two instances where the disciples completely missed the point. 
Because first when Jesus said to Peter, follow me, he points to John. Then when he says, he doesn't matter. What is that to you? You follow me. Then the Bible says, they all started looking around. They totally missed what he just said to Peter. They totally missed the question and the, and the command. And they started, well, that means John's not going to, we're all going to die apparently, but John's not going to die. And Jesus said, that's not what I said. Not even at all what I said. And yet that's what they took away from this encounter. So with that in mind, I want us to think this morning about those eight words. Eight words that can change your life. Um, I, um, I, I, I'll share a couple of things with us this morning. Um, I heard about the preacher, the new preacher. He took a church, went to the church. He was a new preacher. And he preaches a message. He preached his first message. and Everything's good. He's standing outside the church afterwards. Everybody's coming by and shaking his hands. And a young man comes up to him, shakes his hand, and says, that's the worst message I've ever heard in my life, and then walks off. <laughs> so, all right. Next week, gets up, preaches his second message. It's great. Everything's fine. Everybody's shaking his hand. That young man walks up and says, uh, and says to him, one of the most worthless preachers I've ever heard in my life, and then walks off. <laughs> and the preacher's a little concerned about that. Well, the man who has come up behind the young man heard this and knew what had happened last week, knew what had happened this week, and he said, now, preacher, I don't want you to worry about that. You, you need to know something about that young man. He doesn't mean what he says. He just repeats what he hears other people say. Well, I'm not sure how encouraging that is, amen? <laughs> I heard one preacher say one time, and uh, he says, I preach to please God and no one else, but a handshake at the end of the service is still a nice present, amen? <laughs> well, the reality is, not the preacher, not the church member, none of us should be doing what we're doing for the praise of men. And that's a real threat to all of us. Not only that, the real threat and challenge to all of us is not only that what we're doing, we would do it and we would look to other people and what God is doing in their life. Not only is it the challenge that, 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 that we, would, uh, we, we would seek the praise of men, but that we would seek to be like some other man or to get the gift or to have the ministry that they have. And in doing that, we'll miss the ministry that God has given us. Amen? And so that's what's happening in this story here. So I want to share uh, four things with us quickly this morning. It won't take long. Number one, consider these eight words. Consider these eight words if you are allowing another person to keep you from serving the Lord. One of the things that happens in our churches, and it happens too often, is we quit serving God because of something someone else has said or done in our life or because of someone else's ministry or for any one of a number of reasons. So consider the question, what is that to you? You follow me. Are you serving the Lord right now? Do you know, can you say this morning with absolute certainty, 100% certainty, that you are right where God needs you to be and you're doing exactly what God wants you to do? Now, it might be a little bit of a tricky question this morning with the COVID and everything that's going on. So you might feel a little bit out in the wind. Well, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I just don't know how to do it in this environment. And that's okay the, the, to, 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 to be questioning and struggling with serving the Lord. That's okay. But to reach the point in our life where we honestly can't say we're serving the Lord anymore or not serving in the way we used to or the way we think we should or could or even the way we want to, that's when we're on shaky ground. And we need to ask the question, why am I not serving the Lord? Consider the question if we're allowing someone else to keep us from serving the Lord. Too many times we look at the failures of other people. And when we look at their failures, we use that as an excuse to not serve the Lord. Why? Because maybe, on the one hand, when they failed, they let us down. But really, sometimes when we see other people fail, and we see how they're treated when they fail, and sometimes we don't treat each other well when we fail, amen, but when we see someone else fail, sometimes the fear is that we might be the one who fails. 
And do you know the fear of failure has kept more people from doing great things with their life without even trying? I mean, there are people who have failed at things they haven't even tried to do yet. Are you with me? Amen. And, and, and here, when you look at people who have failed, when you think about other people and you think of how they failed, and, and don't let that be something that stops you from serving the goal. Let me just go ahead and make this real easy for us this morning. We are going to fail. We are going to fail. Just go ahead and take that off the table. You don't win every game. Amen? You, you don't always succeed. There are going to be failures. In fact, the greatest men in history have said that it was their failures that taught them and drove them to success. Amen. But if you're letting somebody else's failures or even your own failures keep you from serving the Lord, just take that off the table right now. Amen. Just serve the Lord. And know that when you and I fail, not if, but when you and I fail, the Lord is not going to be the one standing there. See, I told you you were worthless and good for nothing. No, the Bible says the Lord will be the one who will be there to pick us up and say, that was a good try. Let's keep working on that. Let's do it again. Amen? What is that to thee? You serve me. Don't let somebody else's failures keep you from serving the Lord. It doesn't matter if someone else fails. It doesn't even matter if we fail. As I heard a quote this week, it doesn't matter whether or not you fall. It matters whether or not you Get back up again. Yeah, you know. Amen. The Bible says, though, a righteous man fall. And I don't remember the count. 99 times, yet he will get up 100 times. It's, and, and, and the Bible tells us that no matter how often we fall, we keep getting back up. We keep going. And not only that, if you know someone who feels like they're struggling with failure, we have a privilege. We have an opportunity to help encourage them. But that's a sermon for another time. Consider the Lord's question if you're allowing another person to keep you from serving the Lord. Somebody says, well, there's too many hypocrites in the church. And one wise preacher said, yep, there's room for more. Amen. <laughs> well, I would, I would serve the Lord just the hypocrites. It's, you know, we all have that area of our life. And, and sometimes we know it and other times we really don't. Sometimes, and here's what I want us to, and now remember this. And I'm going to say this carefully because, again, in the next couple of weeks we're going to go back and revisit some of these ideas. We are not accountable for others. We are accountable for ourselves. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. I want, I want to put that in context. This is what it says. It says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself before God. See, you're accountable for the life you live for the Lord, not me. You're not going to stand before God and, and answer for how good or how bad of a pastor or preacher I was. And you ought to be thankful for that. Amen. And I'm not going to stand before the Lord and answer for how good or bad a Christian you are. No, you're going to answer, and I'm going to answer for ourselves individually. Now, there's other verses in the Bible that says that we ought to love each other, we ought to lift each other up, we ought to bear one another's burdens, we ought to help each other, instruct each other, encourage each other, that's fine. But when it's all said and done, you are not going to give an account for how somebody else lived their life. You're going to give an account for how you lived your life, I'm going to give an account for how I lived my life. And we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven at some of the things we got right and some of the things we got wrong. Amen? See, consider that if you're keeping someone else from letting you serve the Lord. Look past the failures of others. Look past your own failures and look to Christ. I heard a preacher say this once. You haven't failed when your ministry transforms. You fail when your ministry ceases. So you might have been doing this, but now you feel like you're going to do something else. You feel, well, I failed at that. Well, it's not necessarily failure. It's just maybe you're done with that. Maybe you've served the purpose. If you feel God leading you to do something else, then do it. Amen. Follow the Lord. 
trust him. John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides. And when he went to the New Hebrides, he knew that he was going to a cannibalistic people. He knew that he was going to a dangerous people. Other missionaries had gone there and been killed. So when he first went to the New Hebrides, he camped on the beach. He had his boat right there behind him, and he camped on the beach. And in his biography, he routinely tells of how they would come out and watch him, and he would, you know, had to be careful when he slept and what he did, but he stayed very close to the beach. And there were numerous times when they would begin chasing him, and he would run as fast as he could, jump in his boat, row out to the ocean, and they'd stand there on the beach sort of hollering at him, and eventually they'd go back into the jungle, and then he'd row back onto the beach, and he'd start. And he stayed there, and he stayed there, and he stayed there, until finally he was able to reach them with the gospel. And now the New Hebrides and those islands are one of the most Christianized islands in the world. Compare that to another man who was a missionary, and he went to Mexico. Him and his wife went to Mexico, and they were there for less than a year, and they left the mission field. While they were on the mission field, within the space of just a few months, they were carjacked three different times, and their house was broken into twice. And his wife told him after the third carjacking, I don't want to stay here. We need to go home. He said, no, we're, we're where the Lord wants us to be. Then their house was broken into twice, and she says, I'm going home whether you come with me or not. And she left the mission field, and he left the mission field with her. I know this because I was in the church when he shared the testimony. He went back and said, well, God, we failed. We went to the mission field, and we didn't even make it a year. But you know what he was doing? You know what he shared? You know what he was doing when he came back? He became a professor in a Bible college, and he taught classes, and he taught classes to missionaries and future missionaries. And now, even though he wasn't on the mission field, and even though there are some people who looked at him and still told him, and he said this, that there are still people who said, well, you failed as a missionary, he says, I remember this. I have more than succeeded as a Bible teacher. And the men who have come out from under my teaching have gone to pastor churches and gone to the mission field, and they succeeded where I failed. I am doing what God wants me to do. And I'm not going to measure my life by my failures or anybody else's. Amen? Number two, consider the question if you've been hurt by another Christian. That's different. Not just if another Christian's failed or you've failed. or Forget the failures. Now think about the hurts. Because in the body of Christ, we never hurt each other. No. We do it all the time, sometimes without even knowing it. Hurts a part of the world we live in, and, and, and the church is not immune to this. As we grow and learn, consider if you've been hurt by another Christian. It's sad to think that sometimes when you look at the Old Testament, you, when, you, when you look at the life of David, you look at the men in the Old Testament, you look at how some of the greatest prophets and leaders, some of their greatest opposition came from other professing believers. And even in the church, even in the New Testament, we read about how uh, Paul writes in several epistles about how it was one of his closest friends that he thought he had in Christ who ultimately hurt him and betrayed him. Think about how many times you've been hurt or maybe you know that you've hurt someone else. Many who used to serve and no longer serve, it's because we've been hurt by other people. The cause of Christ is too often hurt by careless Christianity, and we don't think about how to love each other. And, and I wrote this down because I heard a preacher say this, and boy, this was powerful to me. He talked about careless Christianity. When you look at that word careless and break it down, it means care less. And beloved, we ought not to care less about each other. We ought to care more about each other. And yet that's going to be the challenge of the world we live in. 
Do you know how many churches have failed going back to the failure? Do you know how many Christians have failed? Do you know how many times the devil has been able to get into a church and destroy a church because he was able to divide the church and the people who were supposed to be helping each other and healing each other and loving each other began to hurt each other and sometimes they didn't even know what they were doing. When Jesus says, follow me, can I, can I go ahead and make it easy? I said, you're going to fail. We're going to fail. Can I go ahead and make it easy for us? You and I, we're, we're going we're to be hurt. And we're going to hurt others. It's the world we live in. If, if that wasn't the case, then the Bible wouldn't tell us repeatedly in the New Testament that we need to forgive each other. Amen? You don't have to forgive somebody who hasn't offended you or hasn't hurt you. And so think about it. When you and I think about how how we allow the bitterness of something that's done in our life. Everybody in this room probably has a testimony of at least once in your life where somebody that you thought you trusted let you down. Could have been a family member, could have been a friend, but the reality is probably in the church we carry those things with us and we have to give them to the Lord and we have to move past them. See, in this story, if you look again at verse 23, this saying went abroad among the disciples that, that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus didn't say he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? Gossip distorted the story. They missed the point entirely. And they instead of, instead of looking at their own life and who they were, they began to look at what Jesus was doing in somebody else's life. Can I say this? One of the greatest things that will keep you and I from serving the Lord is by worrying about what he is or isn't doing in somebody else's life. Do you know what God has called you to do? And do it. Do it boldly. Do it unashamedly. But do it with grace and humility. And know that even while we're doing it, we run the risk of both hurting and being hurt. But that doesn't excuse us from serving the Lord. Amen? So consider that question. Consider the question, number three, if you envy someone else's talents or position. Maybe you think, well, I'd serve the Lord, but I've seen this other person, they can do it so much better than me, or I, I could never serve like that. You look at someone, that's just the opposite of failure. Maybe you've got somebody who's failed that's keeping us from serving. Maybe there's somebody who's succeeded, and they've done really well at it. Well, I was going to be a Sunday school teacher until I saw them teach. Well, I was going to be a preacher until I heard them preach. Boy, if that was the case, I'd have quit a long time ago. Amen? I mean, there are names that people mention when they think about great preachers. Billy Graham, David Jeremiah. Ravi Zacharias. I promise you that if you were to say Ian Bowers, they'd go, huh? Who's that? Unless they had the fortune or <laughs> misfortune of knowing that I was their pastor at one time or another. Amen? You think about names, beloved. It's not that we want our name to be listed among a group of other people as if we're as good as them or better than them. No, no. The only thing that matters, beloved, is that Jesus knows our name. He knows who you are. He knows what he has called you to do. And we cannot measure our ministry by somebody else's. Now, that's not an excuse for not being the best we can be. Amen? We have to live, learn, grow. And I've said for years, and I'll say it again, right about the time we get it figured out is about the time that we're going to go home to be with Jesus. Amen? When you stand before the gates of heaven, when you walk through the gates of heaven, whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, 150 years old, when you walk through the gates of heaven, you're going to look back on earth and say, man, I, I was almost there. <laughs> Maybe I was closer, but we, but, but, but we won't get it in this life. We won't get it in this world. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who God called you to be. Amen. Peter compared himself to John. This is, this is what, 
This is what Jesus said, you're going to feed my sheep. And, 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 and he implied you were going to die a martyr's death. But do you understand what Peter did? Peter turned and looked at John. And this is basically what he's asking Jesus. Yes, but will he feed more sheep than me? Will he die as a martyr? And if he dies as a martyr, will he be remembered more than me? And Jesus says, what is that to thee? You follow me. Serve me, who you are, with the gifts that God has given you. Sometimes we lose God's best for our life because of another person's position, another person's talents, another person's success, another person's... And by the way, sometimes, we need because of a sermon for another time, but sometimes we're trying to be like somebody that we don't need to be like, amen? Because they're not walking with Christ. I mean, if you're going to set the standard, set the standard to follow somebody. Peter, Paul, Paul wrote and he said, I'll get it in a minute. Paul wrote and he said, you follow me as I'm following Christ. But if I'm not following Christ, you don't need to be following me. Amen? And sometimes we follow people who aren't following. We're following the wrong people. But even when we're following the right people, we still don't need to try to be like them. Because our goal is not to be like each other. Our goal is to be like Jesus. And then here's the last thing this morning. It's time to face the question and the call in our individual lives. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. And I wrote this down. Let me tell you, I wrote this down. So, This is when we will quit serving God. When we are more concerned about receiving the praise of men than God. When we are more afraid of our failures than our successes. When we are more in need of man's participation and man's approval than of God's. When we give more power to those who have hurt us than to God who has healed us. When we measure ourselves and the talents and the call that God has given us against someone else's talents and someone else's call. I actually, I actually had somebody say to me one time, and I'd said this before. I remember when I was young, I used to say this, so I remember the day that somebody said it to me. I, used to, I remember when God called me to be a pastor, called me to be a preacher, and I used to listen to some preachers, and I'd visit churches, and I'd travel the army, I'd sit in a church. I'd listen to a preacher, and I'd, I remember sitting out there going, and I knew God had called me to preach. I remember sitting out there going, I can do better than him. I can preach better than that. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time. I'll never forget the first time that a young man called in the ministry came up to me and said, that was a good message, but I could have preached it better. Dead serious. Not joke, just dead serious. Amen? And I remember what went through my mind because I was much older and wiser. And I don't think I said it out loud. I just remember thinking, yeah, you probably could. <laughs> no, beloved, one of the greatest things that keeps us from serving the Lord and hinders a church is we sit in the pew and we look what everybody else is or isn't doing. We think about all the times we failed. We think about all the reasons we can't serve the Lord. Instead of all the reasons and opportunities in front of us where we can serve the Lord. You're standing, in, you're standing right now at a, at a crucial moment in the life of First Baptist Church Mableton. Where God is getting ready to, to bring a man to you. And it's, it's going to happen sooner than later. That's my prayer. Amen. But just because you have 
a new man standing behind the pulpit who's going to lead you, and I pray for years and years to come, doesn't mean that your work is done. In fact, you call the right man, your work is just beginning. And I see the heads nodding out there. Amen. No, beloved. You want to know when God is finished with you? You want to know when God is finished with me? You want to know when God is finished? He'll tell us face to face. When we leave this world, that's when we're done. Not a day before. Amen? And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. It doesn't matter how good looking you are or not good looking you are. Amen? It doesn't matter how rich, how poor. It doesn't matter who you are. Amen? You're here. You're drawing breath. God has a plan for you. And in the coming weeks, we're going to look at what that means in the life of a church, what it looks like in the life of a Baptist church. Amen. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm challenging you this morning, and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will challenge you. Because if I challenge you, it's not going to do any good. We just said that. Amen. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will challenge all of us in the coming weeks to refresh and renew the understanding that even in the midst of the chaos of the world we're in, in fact, now more than ever, God has a plan for your life and mine, and there's something we can be doing to serve the Lord even more than we're doing now. Amen? So would you bow your heads?